Hi there. We're so glad you found us. Welcome to Embers, a podcast by Volo. We at Volo are committed to guiding teens as they seek to create authentic relationships in our increasingly digital world. Once these youth experience the power of being in community and their vast capacity for connection, we challenge them to go out and make the world a better place. Our circle is open to every race, gender, sexuality, ability, religion, and background. Our podcast is a hub of inspiration for both teens and adults. Embers is a place where our teens share their stories as they navigate the waters between childhood and adulthood. We realize they've got a lot to teach us. What they hope for sounds good to us, too. Join us here as follow youth explore timely and compelling topics, fanning the embers burning in each of us. In this episode, a group of Volo teens reflect on the ongoing Black Lives Matter movement, their involvement and hopes for the future. Through what they share, we find ourselves grateful for the change their generation is working so passionately to reach. Come along. Hi, I'm Dana. I'm Angel. I'm Myla. I'm EJ. I'm eager to talk with you all today about the recent increase in energy surrounding the Black Lives Matter movement. To start, I'm curious to hear how you became involved and um, what you're doing, how you're engaging in it. So I guess my, both my involvement and my, when I heard about it was through my church. I go to First Parish Unitarian Universalist Church in Portland. And ever since I've been like super little, a lot of what we do at our church is social activism in a lot of different ways, I guess. I and mean, there's a lot of different ways about that we do it at our church. But one of them is like the youth group or the religious exploration classes that I was part of towards eighth grade, even would go to protests or rallies occasionally. And so that's kind of when I got started and interested and felt that there was injustice that needed to be combated in ways that I could. And then for this particular instance, I just saw Instagram story posts about a protest in Portland and I decided that it would be a good thing to go. And I went and it was incredibly powerful seeing all the people showing up for this. And it, for me, like I really don't understand why it's hard for people to be nice all the time. Like it's, it just seems like a pretty easy thing to do, but it felt really good and really cool to see just thousands and thousands and thousands of people come to support one cause. And it made me feel, I don't know, super connected to everything and to everybody there because like the last time I was in a crowd that big was for a concert and like, that was cool, but it's like completely different feeling and you don't like everybody's at the concert for the same reason, but like, you know, everybody at the rally was super like excited and super, I guess, angry, even angry for, for sure angry, but that everybody there was there for one reason and one reason only. And that was really, really cool to be a part of for sure. How about you, Myla and Angel? I first heard about the movement through social media, mainly Instagram. And on that, people were posting different times for rallies and protests. 
And I went to a few of them down in Portland and like Eric spoke to the power of it. I think it made me realize that this is an issue. It always has been an issue, but more so like speaking up and making a change kind of made me realize just how powerful we can be by going to the rallies and events. And then I also like through social media, just reading and like signing petitions and all of that is where a lot of my energy has gone into. I can't remember where, you know, I first heard about Black Lives Matter because it's been inside of my brain. It's kind of been inside my life for a long time now. I think the kind of first time I ever heard about something that kind of had to do with this movement was when I was about 10 years old. When my mom, she had all of my siblings and I, we were, we watched a CNN news report about a young man named Trayvon Martin who was killed for having Skittles and I think it was an iced tea. It has been something that's been in my life for a long time. It's, I guess, just kind of gaining like this massive crowd right now. And I think the first time that I kind of did something with a group was, I think, about a month ago when we went to the Portland police station and we set up a vigil for uh, many of the Black men and women who have been killed. And we held up some signs and we lit some candles and it was kind of a peaceful protest just to kind of remember and yeah, to remember the people who have been killed. That is such a vivid description. And I appreciate your engagement from a younger age. And then your, you know, my sense is if you had been 16, when your mom shared that, your engagement might have been different. But what is happening with this movement in terms of the increased energy? It seems like you're a perfect age right now. Would you agree with that? Perfect age for what? Just that when you're nine or 10, it's a little harder to really to get involved. I would say it's harder to get involved. But I think a common theme that many children of color like myself have to do is grasp the situation. Because from there, you have to get kind of an understanding. That's why I first saw that I was different. I am third generation Black Puerto Rican. And that's when I kind of saw like who I was or what people saw me to be. That was the first time that I kind of recognized like, I am Black. I'm Hispanic. I don't look like other children around me. And people are going to notice that. It's, I did grasp it. It was more of a kind of, I couldn't really do much about it at <laughs> 10 years old. <laughs> I would imagine it's empowering to be a little bit older and have some greater independence to be able to be involved and have your voice literally heard. Yes. So I'm curious for each of you, if you can talk to me. I mean, I almost had a visceral feeling as I was hearing your descriptions of being at these marches and these vigils. I'd really like you to share with me what draws you to, to go to these events. And when you're at these events, I'd love you to describe, you know, the feeling you have when you're there, if you can kind of tap back into it. Like, where do you feel in your body? What does it feel like physically to be and emotionally to be in those spaces with those people? I would say for me, it kind of felt, I think, a little bit uncomfortable, but also it was sad. That was the biggest feeling that I felt. It was sad. I feel like right now, there's kind of the big kind of focus on the race and the color, which is the most important thing. But another aspect of that is we're mourning people and people have died. And that's what we were there for at that vigil that my friends and I set up. 
And we were realizing like, these are actual people that we could have known people that we could have been friends with. And they are no longer here with, for their families, for other people to enjoy. They could have had a future. They could have done amazing things, but because of their skin color, they are gone forever. And so we kind of reflected on that. We sat there for a long time, just thinking how we are just lucky that that wasn't us. So what would you say draws you to go to a vigil like that or to organize a vigil like that? Why? I think personally, it's because of the person I am. I am completely, am, I support the protest and kind of the representation of the anger that people have, have built up. But me personally, I am a peace. I'm not saying that people are not being peaceful. I'm saying that I'm more of a person who wants to show kind of my protest in a different way. And that's why I really thought a vigil would be a great idea just to remember. I didn't feel quite comfortable going to a protest full of police officers just because of all that's going on. I felt okay doing something peaceful, showing just a little bit support during this time. And I thought that was just my little thing that I could add. Makes a lot of sense. Myla and EJ, what is it? Either respond to Angel, what he's just shared, or your own experiences when you are actually at these protests, what it feels uh, like? Yeah. So I'm going to start with the reason that I go and see where that takes me. I go because I'm a white person and I have been incredibly blessed by my family to have so many amazing opportunities and I want everybody to have the same opportunities that I have and not have those opportunities be cut short because of something that they can't change because of who they are. That doesn't seem fair to me and I want to, or it isn't fair at all. I just want people to have the same opportunities that I've had the privilege of having and not have that be determined by their skin color. And I, that's very unjust to me and against essentially everything I believe. And then on top of that, the reason the focus of the protests was for the death of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and countless others and going to those to remember them and be there for that because it's so important and for so many reasons to show the government and the police that what they're doing isn't okay and that a lot of the systems are corrupt or just built incorrectly or both and that change needs to happen and it needs to happen soon. And so, yeah. And so that's why I go. And then the feeling that I have when I'm there is that like, I am doing something, I'm going to the protest and showing up so that, I can be a small part of change. I was struck by, you know, it's almost an irony, Angel, as you were speaking about a reluctance to go to the protest, if I understood correctly, because of personal safety. And so it seems fitting. It's almost like trusting that there will be white community members who will rally and hold this energy when people like you are ironically kind of almost not able to go or not able to go and feel safe. I like the idea of other people stepping up and making sure the message gets out there. How about you, Mila? I think like Eric, I go because in a sense of confusion and frustration that like no one should have to go through anything like that. 
And I think in the crowd, it's super powerful. And like this sense or feeling comes over you. And it's for me, it's a feeling of frustration or more confusion. I would say it is intense, but it's something the things that like Breonna Taylor and George Floyd have had to go through. That is something I will never understand and something that I like probably won't ever go through. And that's not right. That's unfair. That's not just. And like Eric was saying that we should all be equal and no one should have to go through that. So I think it's really important to share our voices and fix the broken systems and above all, honor the lives of those who have fought for equality and those that have lost their lives because of police brutality. So why do you each think, or maybe talk amongst yourselves, what is it about this moment that's pivotal? Why do you think that the movement has intensified now versus three years ago or a year from now? Can you each speak to just your personal theories about, if you have any, about why now? And I think that our generation and like the, I don't know, 15 to 24-year-olds specifically, I don't know what the age cap really is, but are really like have kind of started like growing into adults and realizing more and more like with each year that goes by that just realizing the injustice in the world and are doing more people are doing more in general to expose it um, and to fix it. And so I think that this is a product of that and that now, like I guess with Corona and like being far away from people as well, that like it gave people a time to just like see other faces because that was like, I don't know, at least for me, like I hadn't been seeing a lot of people before the protest and it was just like, wow, there's a lot of people in the world when I got there. And that was like, it was really cool to see all the different people that showed up. Yeah, Angel, Myla, anything to add? Or I don't know if you agree with EJ or think there's any other additional reasons that were the catalyst or for this movement to happen in this moment? I should say for the movement to intensify in this moment. I think that there are a lot of different things and it's a combination of different elements. I think not to get political, but I think the upcoming political race I think people are really using that and realizing the power of it and what will come with the next four years. And I think this movement really ties into that. And along with that, I think with Corona, a lot of people have had time to think and process. And with that not being able to go out, people have been on social media a lot, which is obviously a global connector. And I think people are seeing on social media and in, like intensified racial inequalities, and especially with Corona, like the disease itself, the inequalities that comes with that. It's really hard to say. I really don't think it's just one thing. I think it's a combination of those and a million other things. Absolutely. And I think it's a good point. It doesn't feel coincidental to me that you all are the Instagram generation. And while there's certainly plenty of other messages and kinds of posts on Instagram, that in this case, it did spread like wildfire on that platform. And if it's your generation, that's many in your generation who are connected through that platform, I can imagine that certainly fuels the fire. Anything to add, Angel? Yeah, I honestly have no, like, for sure idea of why it has kind of gone off right now. I do agree with Eric and Mila that it's most likely a cause to kind of this downtime that people have been getting Especially in Maine, I've seen like a, more of the white population has gotten up to do a lot of protesting. 
So I think a lot with kind of the pandemic and how we've been forced inside. And I agree with Myla in what she said about the political race. A lot of people this time, I believe, and I hope they realize that it, they can't just sit back and not vote this time or just not do anything this time because then we have people who are unfit to govern the United States in office. So I think it's more of like a realization thing. A big, it's a time of realizations, time of reflection because of the pandemic, that kind of thing. That was a lot, but that's what I think it's a mix of. Absolutely. I mean, I really, I think I would echo it that I think it's a perfect storm. So as we think about your generation's leadership in this movement right now, I'm curious what each of you would say to our generation, to the older generation. What would you say to us during this time? I say that because a lot of the people listening are older than you, and we are eager to hear what you have to say, and we are eager to be led by you. So what would you say to us? I think it's really important to be open and accepting and try and think about it in a new way. Like, try and get out of your old perspective, as hard as that may be, and think about it in new ways, and educate yourself, but not only, like, if you have grandchildren or children, get them children's books, or, like, drill into their mind equality and equity, and I think it's really important to teach, as, like, an older generation, to use their wisdom to teach the new generations moving forward how to deal with race and how to be fair and equal and just. I feel like this is so applicable to many situations, especially now in 2020 and further on, is that there's a lot different in this world now than there was previously. And it's so important that you keep an open mind, that you are willing to grow, that you're willing to learn. Because if you're stuck and you are just closed off, you aren't going to go anywhere. It's so important to be able to learn and be able to grow. And I think that's kind of the big takeaway from this. The big takeaway is just to accept, to love, to grow and learn. That's the big points. Absolutely. And I think your generation models that. I think you seem eager to be taught and to understand new ideas. And Maybe it's the idea that you ha your muscle memory isn't too ingrained at this point, so you're more open to shift. But certainly the shifting that you all are doing is evident and it's inspiring for those of us who are older. What would you say to younger generations? Um, I think what's extremely important is for the younger generation to see somebody as a person and their personality more than anything else. And I know that sounds like a cliche, like the don't judge a book by its cover thing based on the outside appearances. But that is one of the most important kind of lessons that can be taken away from anything. I think that prejudice or things like that can be learned as a young child and they're so hard to get rid of as an adult. And if you can just take a cliche yet very important lesson and kind of ingrain it in like be that the younger generation is going to make an even better future generation than we are right now. I agree with what Angel said. And I also think for me, when people tell me you're the generation of the future, you're what's going to make the change. As cliche as it is, it's really powerful and instills a feeling in me that makes me feel somewhat invincible. And I think it's really important to 
remind our younger siblings or our younger cousins or any just the younger generation they're in the same boat as us and alongside us they're what's going to make the change in our society and they're the future as you think about this movement can you tell me what frustrates or saddens you it frustrates me that this isn't at all a movement about it's not an anti-white thing it's trying to put everybody on the same level and give everybody an even playing field. And it's really obnoxious to people or to me. And just, yeah, it, when people flip it like that and make it seem like that and get so caught up in their privilege that they're blind to everything else. What makes me sad about this is kind of the fear that when this is all over, people will just kind of forget about it because it's not, I'm, I wish you guys could see my fingers, but I'm doing air quotes. It's not trending right now. The black lives have always been in danger more than any other in America just because of our history, just because people are, can be very prejudiced and ignorant. And I hope for the future that people continue to remember what this movement is bringing to people. It's, I hope it continues to kind of let out the feeling and the knowledge that people need to be seen as equal and you shouldn't do anything different to somebody based on their skin color. And that's something that makes me a little worried is that that might not continue after this movement because it's not in the front of the news. It's not being broadcasted everywhere. I hope this message from this movement can be continued and be accepted as a society and a nation in the future. So. Absolutely. So you teed up my next question perfectly, Angel. I'm, I'm curious what your hopes are for the future of this movement. When I say future, I guess I mean beginning tomorrow. Like Angel said, I really hope that this movement doesn't lose steam and that it keeps chugging along with the same power and involvement until we do see true change in not only our government and politics, but in our self and kind of our to the point where little children like all little children to the point where it's almost an innate thought which it would be that everyone is equal and I do believe that it is but people I don't know who <laughs> people teach their children otherwise and I hope that one day it stays as an innate thought and that nobody is there to change their mind. Angel or EJ any hopes for the movement? I hope for in the future that People see the importance and the beauty of Black lives because Black people are beautiful. They have so much to offer, like every type of person. And I hope that other people who are also in need of recognition, other people of color or people who are just not white people or kind of receive that privilege, get that recognition. For example, like the indigenous people right now, they aren't getting as much recognition about the many people who have been, who have just gone missing out of nowhere and they have no idea where they are. Uh, so I hope that in the future we can continue to work on things like that because it is true that everyone is important. And I think that we need to continue that and moving forward. So when you each think about your involvement in the movement, I'm curious, now we're asking you to not only your hopes for the future, but to tell the future, predict it. I'm curious how you think your involvement in this movement, the involvement you've already had, and perhaps the involvement you imagine having in the next few months or years, 
how is that going to impact the ways that you interact with your communities, the ways that you will be a part of communities? If it does, how does it impact your daily life with your circles? I think now going on in the future, I personally won't feel as uncomfortable to bring up things that I think are unjust based off race. And I think that's a, in itself is a very interesting thing for me personally, because I know that before this movement, race, especially when talking about black people was very uncomfortable for everybody. And I not asking anybody to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it was kind of like, it was tense. Like even it was brought up in history class, the room would kind of go quiet and I feel like this movement hasn't solved everything, but I do think something beautiful that has come out of it is we're dealing with that uncomfortability and we're dealing with that kind of weirdness around the topic to the point where now we can celebrate the Black and it doesn't have to be this thing about kind of past thoughts about it. It can be spoken about openly, respectfully, of course, but there won't be that weirdness around it and I won't feel that. And if I do, I will refuse to be quiet about it anymore. I will speak up about it. And that's with being black. And that's about really any other race that I feel is being spoken about unjustly. I think it's kind of opened me up a little bit. I love hearing your energy as you talk. It's honestly, it's really inspiring. And yeah, so clearly heartfelt and shifted. And that gives me hope. I think I need more conscious involvement, I think is necessary on my end and on everyone else's. I think moving forward that, like Angel said, like during those conversations, we need to, yes, it may be uncomfortable, but those conversations need to be held. And I think embracing that and embracing the fact that, yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable, but the only way to move forward is by having these types of conversations. Absolutely. Even starting on a small podcast like ours. I'd also have to second the more conscious engagement. I just think that I could be more involved than I am. And it's hard to be involved, but it's so important. And yeah, just being there. And I showed up for most of the protests, but like calling my representatives or I don't know, there's so much else that I can do that I haven't yet that I need to. Is it hard because of the time commitment, EJ? It's Yeah, it's a time commitment. And, like, for me, it's, like, not something, like, I went to the protest, but, like, other than that, like, it's not something that I've ever done and has, like, ever been a part of my routine. Um, And so I just, like, forget about it. Like, very, it's just, like, slips my mind. Well, and that, I think, gets at the importance of people, of whites, specifically, and privileged people to be, to remain engaged, because it's really, you're hitting on such a good point that, because it doesn't impact us directly, it's all the more important for us to engage this head on and be disciplined in our learning and our reading and our conversation. Angel was talking about it earlier, but this just can't be a trend. Like it can't be just like a cool thing to do and then fade out because injustice will still be happening and people will still be marginalized if this is just a trend. And so that can't. Like just can't continue. I feel great hope when I follow your lead. And I would love each of you to talk about, to end with, what gives you hope? 
I think for me, it was the amount of people that showed up to the protests that I went to. The fact that my dad was excited about going to the protest with me and then having my family come to one as well, that left me with a lot of hope. One thing that I think is really beautiful and what gives me a lot of hope is seeing that during these times, I've seen a lot of different people, white and other people of color, come together to kind of show their support. And before this, I didn't see that. But now it's so endearing and so amazing to see the world come together as one race. And that's just so beautiful to me to see them all working together. So that gives me hope to be a unit. I think the openness of our generation as a whole gives me hope and the energy that we can tap into, get things done and change the wrongs in our world. I love all this, you guys. You do give me hope. And it wouldn't be a Volo conversation if we didn't end with our single word. So I would appreciate if each of you would think for a minute about where you are right now and how you are feeling and think of a word to capture that. I think my word is inspired. Energized. Growth. And my word is following. Thanks, you three. Really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today. Like what you heard? We invite you to connect with us at followmain.org for additional ideas and inspiration. Music from this episode was created by one of our many talented teens, Miles. It was a pleasure having you in our circle today. Until next time, take care.